You're listening to Sourced with Stu Finer. sun let me put it to you that way but most of you love the spring coming out of the winter coming out of just fucking a ton of clothes you're ready to swim you're ready to rock and roll the beach the pool on the ocean if you have a boat and you're ready to roll for people like myself who have a battle with compulsive overeating Eating, sugar, carbs, binging, late night eating, so on and so forth. The spring becomes a problem because if you're not prepared for the spring, meaning if you have not been working out for three months in the past leading into today, you're fucked. Because now all of a sudden it's beautiful, the sun's here, and if you have a problem being obese like I am or I try to overcome, but pretty much I am. If you're 30 pounds overweight in this country, you're obese. So fuck, I've been obese since I guess I was born. (laughs) So uh, five, four and three quarters, they want me weighing between 146 to 164. Now, I'm pretty sure my cock probably weighs 146 pounds. So for me to ever get to 146, I would probably have to be born uh, during Nazi Germany and be in Auschwitz or Danamora. Because barring that, it's impossible for me to ever get to a buck 46. 164, I can sniff it, but oh God, is that really hard to do too? Because even when I was training diligently for the marathon, when I was eating squeaky clean, when I was on 1500 calories, never cheating, no pot smoking, no sugar, no complex carbs, fruit, vegetables, protein, whole wheat up my ass. I got down to 174 for about five minutes, for about five minutes. Then I ballooned up to a buck 89, really eating at Puccinella's twice a day, 10 times a week, living life like I am the king that I am, like I am the source that I am, like they am, like a living legend, and I got obese fat again. I went up to a buck 89. So I gained a quick 15 pounds. So normally, how it works for a fat person is you're able to diet and starve and be diligent to a point. Then you hit a number that looks great. Mine was 174 because fuck, I looked amazing and I ballooned back up to a buck 89. So pretty much I've been battling, even though I ran the marathon November 5th, I've been pretty much battling being between 189 and I weighed in yesterday at an abortion at I don't even know how because I look a lot better than this number. Like you have a number in your head, you know what you're supposed to look like, this number. I weighed in at 207.5. 207.5. Are you kidding me? I'm five, four and three quarters. What am I, a fucking, what am I, a tackle or a guard or something? Are you kidding? So I got a fucking problem here. So let's get back to where I am besides rambling. Spring 
now sucks because I wanted to be like now 175 washboard stomach, you know, women just drool, come in their pants looking at me. Well, that's not really gonna happen right now because probably if I was two inches short, I'd be perfectly round. I am a circle again. So the spring I fucking love, but I only love it when I'm thin because now, now I gotta wake up at 5.30 in the morning and exercise my motherfucking balls off. We have the half marathon coming where I was gonna run it. I was gonna be able to, st I could still run about seven miles. It's unbelievable, even fat as I am, I could run seven miles. I've been walking 10.8, 10.8 really fast, which is a little, like a 220 burn, two hour, 20 minute burn. And anytime you're on a path or you're walking or you're burning calories for an hour or more, it's invigorating, but it's so helpful. And it speeds up the metabolism and you're ready to roll. So, um, Spring of 2018, I'm coming in fucking fat. Like, holy fuck fat. Like, embarrassing fat. Um, we'll probably attribute it to Puccinella and the marijuana. The marijuana has been top-notch, and the food at Puccinella has been outstanding. If you don't know who Puccinella is, Puccinella is a restaurant that I frequent on Broadway in Massapequa, and I will put this Italian restaurant up against anything you've ever had in your life forever. If you're in Italy, if you've gone to France, you've eaten at the best places in the world, I have been there, done that hundreds of times. Puccinella is top fucking notch. So if you live in this country, I would get on a plane and fly right now to Massapequa and eat at Puccinella's for lunch and dinner, because you need, you know, you gotta bang it out back to back to see really where it's at, lunch and dinner. That's what I would personally do. So I got a problem with this weight right now and I was supposed to run the half marathon in under two hours open my big fat Jew mouth. And then I had to adjust the time to about 2.30 cause there was no way I was gonna do two hours. Now I'm gonna walk it at about a little under three hours. I'll probably run like seven miles and then walk. Then all of a sudden out of the blue, my father, how he find the Godfather, 81 years old, my father, an amazing man, an amazing individual, world war veteran, well, really, it was career. Did two tours in Germany before I um he got married. After he got married, uh, he's done it all: construction, sign business, architect, loving husband, loving father. Worked so hard. My mom died of cancer. She had a four-year bout with breast cancer that went into her bones and her lungs. It was fucking gross. And he stepped up for four years and washed the woman and bathed the woman and helped her go to the bathroom and clothed her for four fucking years. So he stepped up and now uh, he sells guns for a living. He sells to ex-military, ex-police, ex-detectives, you know, any gun in the country. And he's making right now this bulletproof vest that's already out, but he has a different patent on it right now. Uh, bulletproof vest for children, so they bring it in their backpack, bring it to school, so on and so forth. That's what he's involved with now. And he's always walked, and he's always been in great shape. At 40 years old, he got diabetes, type one matter of fact, just fucking slammed down on him, and he's eating squeaky clean for 41 years. So he's like 140 pounds, about 5'8", but now he's 81, so I'd say he's lost like three inches. He's probably like 5'5", five, five, but he's always been in epic shape. So me and my father, we call him the God, 
Godfather are walking the half marathon at Eisenhower Park, Long Island, New York. Come out and support us. Come out and hug it out with us. Uh, that's May 6th. That's a week from this Sunday. Uh, very excited about that. Real excited. Listen, to do anything with your father is exciting. Truth be told, when I'm 57, he's fucking 81. We Both of us could die any moment. Nothing's guaranteed. You never know. My mother's been dead a long time right now. So you miss my mother. I miss my brother, who's been dead a long time, too. So the only person I really have in my immediate family, besides my wife and my four kids, is my father. So we're going to do it. I have no idea how long the guy could walk. The guy says he walks four or five miles, fine. It's a lot different walking five miles than 13.1. Whatever it is, it is. We have a morning out, 5.30 a.m. in the morning next Sunday. I'm picking him up. We got our shirts on. We go to Eisenhower Park. We stretch it out. We drink water, take a shit, take a pee, and we're going to fucking walk. And God willing, we'll be able to walk the 13.1. I'm going to walk it right with him. I was thinking about running it then coming back, grabbing him, and then seeing where he's at. I'm just going to walk with him at his pace, at his speed, and whatever happens, happens. And I feel okay with that. And, you know, you got to love someone in this earth. And, you know, I'm lucky enough that I love everyone. But I love my father. So my father is so looking forward to this. He's juiced up. He's pumped. So it's me and Howie Finer, Eisenhower Park, half marathon, May 6th. And then we're coming back to the pool and blowing it out. Pool will be open. House is looking immaculate. It's looking breathtaking. Mulch is going down today. New lights and cameras are all over the fucking house. It's unbelievable. I love my house. I love my fucking house. I love my house. It's a 2.6, 2.58 to be exact, acre estate it's immaculate, it's breathtaking, it's stunning, and uh, you've seen pictures of it. I have it all over the place online. I'm sure you've seen it, but to be here, it's like, wow, this is amazing. It's so uplifting. You get out of bed, you roll into a gorgeous kitchen, and you roll into just two acres of prime, gorgeous, fucking minted property. And, you know, it's a 1936 English Tudor. All the houses around the property were built in 1950, 55, 57. I have a giant pool. I have a guest cottage. I have a barn. I have a tool shed. You know, we got men's bathroom, men's shower outside, women's bathroom, women's shower outside, and cabanas. You know, you got a million fucking things going on. You have another shed that used to be a working chicken coop. Um, there used to be chickens here, obviously, and there used to be a working farm, obviously, here all the way around. And you still have apple trees, and I have hundreds of trees on the property. When I mean hundreds, I mean hundreds, and they're fucking incredible. The trees on the property are well over 100 years old. Some are as much as 150 years old. And, you know, a tree really makes the property. A giant, unbelievable tree that you just look up and up and up, and it's like, wow. Again, uplifting, uplifting thing. So, ready to roll May 6th for this half marathon and very, very excited. Now, I had a couple of good things happen to me the last couple of months. Um, have a relationship now with an individual called Frank Fleming. Uh, you know Frank Fleming as NJ Tank, and you know him as The Tank, and we call him Tank. And I met him through my affiliation with Barstool Sports, obviously, and Tank had a problem where he missed the first couple of innings of the Met game a year ago, and he always likes to be here for the pomp and circumstance and always likes to be here uh, to see the lineups and to see everything go on. He missed it. He had a rant that was picked up nationally. Hence, Barstool picked him up, and he's part of Barstool right now, and I met him through Barstool. And let me say something about Tank. What a beautiful, genuine, 
honest, good guy. Like a really good guy. Like, I love the guy, first of all. I hug it out with him. He, you know, he's a massive man. This fucking guy's a tank. You know, we're not calling him a fucking twig. We're calling him a tank. Fucking guy's big. He's a monster. He's a lovable ball of wealth and knowledge. Smartest guy I've ever met in my life in sports. Knows everything in depthly soup to nuts. Can rattle it off the top of his head. He thinks for a couple of seconds, almost like it looks like a giant computer. And then has that in his head of what he's going to say and then just spits it out and can talk for like 30 fucking minutes. Soup to nuts. Give you every single thing you need to know about any sports subject, any sports history, how the team started, how, where they are now, where the players are, blah, 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 blah. It's unbelievable. And I am just like, wow, I'm so impressed. So met him over the phone, met him over the internet, met him over texting. I said, have you ever gone to the NIT championship? He said, no, he lives in New Jersey. I met him at Madison Square Garden. And we watched the NIT semifinals, had a great time, hugged it out with him. So funny. And when me and him were together, there was just fans left and right screaming, tank, 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 sauce, 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 sauce. Unbelievable. And everybody loves us. Everybody loves Tank. Everybody loves me. So it was a lot of fun seeing them. Then he's such a big Met fan. He loves the Mets. I get the best Met tickets. I had first rows to the Mets. I'm bringing my son, Alex. I'm bringing my wife, Sandy. I said, Tank, come with us to the game. So he comes with us, opening day Mets, and now... Tank is a diehard Met fan. Diehard Dolphin fan. Boo. Diehard Met fan. Yay. Loves the fucking Mets. Diehard Devil fan. Yay. So in other words, we went to the Met game and everybody was like, Tank, 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 running around hundreds of fans. Tank, Tank, Tank. They love Tank at City Field because he's a diehard Met fan. He bleeds uh, met colors, he really wears his emotions on his fucking sleeve, and at the game, everybody's like, Tank, we love you, Tank, Tank, Tank! Because Met fans, we have a common bond, and really, it is pain, misery, depression, insecurity, inadequacy, failure. Not in any sort of order, pretty much that type of order. Um, we were lulled into five years ago a touch of full sense of security because we thought Matt Harvey was the next Tom Seaver, and now we know that he's not. So we're back where we have a lot of hope. We still have a phenomenal pitching staff that is certain times healthy, certain times not, no longer led by, unfortunately, Matt Harvey, who's now been resigned to the bullpen and uh, really struggling with that. So now, you know, we have Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard leading us to the promised man. Let's hope we have a good, solid team. We have a lot of players that are better than normal for the Mets. You know, Mets normally suck. Mets normally are an abortion. They're a terrible, terrible team. Last five years, we've had some buzz. First couple of years, single-handedly, only because of Matt Harvey. And then the young guns, the young pitchers came up from Wheeler, then he got hurt several times, a couple of major injuries, and then we made the trade, we got Darno, we got Syndergaard, and Jacob is homegrown, we love Jacob, and Steven Matz we got, and so we got a lot of really young pitchers, so, um, but to be a Mets fan, just, just an abortion, it's just horrific, it's doom and gloom always, you always think the worst, and then you always think of a train wreck, and then if something good happens, you think of what's bad gonna happen after it, it's just, part of the fabric of being a Met fan. Hence, Frank the Tank is a Met fan. I'm a Met fan. So we bonded at the Met game. Then I said to him, let's go to the Devil's playoffs. 
Have you, you know, you want to go to buy a ticket jet? Let's go. I'll treat you on me. So we go to the Devil's Playoff game. Now, that's his stomping ground. That's his favorite team. He wears the devil hat. So we go to the Devil game. And it was just the greatest time ever. I'm hugging him. I'm kissing him. We're at this fucking buffet. Now, let me tell you something. When we walk up to the buffet, even though it's free food, the people behind the carving stations dishing out the food were scared. I saw these people sweating because it was like tank and then mini tank. Like, it's like, it's like tank and mini me. I'm like tanks mini me because I look just like him, except I'm like tiny. You know, I'm tiny. Not that tank is so tall, but I'm tinier than tank. So it's tank and tank junior, if you want to call it like that. Tank and sauce, tank and tank junior. So we're banging out the devils. We're in VIPs. We're at center ice, 18 rows up, perfect seats to see everything. And then you have this giant buffet where you could just eat all day until you're sick, which we ate all day until we were sick. We just pounded it out. So that was a lot of fun. Then I went on, went on um, Tank's podcast, which I'd like you to listen to. Um, Allow Me to Be Frank is his podcast. And it looked like to me, I gave a brief look at it. I've been doing it for about a year, it looks like. Uh, looks like he's got like, a, I guess, one a week or something. So maybe like 50 podcasts. And uh, I did an episode with him and it was so funny. And I realize now that when I go on other people's podcasts, especially over the internet, you cannot scream. Because unless you're going to do post-production fully, when I scream, it sounds like... <laughs> so now it was a good experience. And I know from now, I cannot scream on people's podcasts. I'm going to have to just tone it down a little bit, be mellow, get my point across. And because uh, I'm sure it's not going to be the last time I'm on Tank's podcast. Because me and Tank are two peas in a pod. Two peas in a pod. Frick and frack, tank and sauce. Tank and sauce, tank and fucking sauce. So, had a lot of fun with Tank, and obviously the relationship I've had uh, with Tank through Barstool continues, and I love the fucking guy. He's my man, he's my soulmate, I fucking love him, and uh, we have a lot of things, in my head at least, on the agenda. The, the thing that's in stone is his favorite team is the Miami Dolphins, so I said I will take him to MetLife Stadium when the Jets play the Dolphins, and I think it's week two, week three of the season. I think it's like September 16th, and we have... VIP everything. It's how I roll. I roll VIP. You can't spell VIP without stew. I don't know if that's actually true, but we're going to say it for this purpose. Listen, VIP over the dolphin bench, free food, free hand warmers. The tank said we need sun lotion, not hand warmers. It's September 16th. It'll be hot as motherfucking hell. Well, we have back massages. We have foot massages and all the food we can eat, private bathrooms. So it's tank and sauce, the fall of 2018. Now, obviously, I don't know if you've been watching, but I don't know how you have not. Um, just the epic performance and production at Barstool Sports puts out on a daily basis. Remember, they are the number one bloggers in the world. And when you are a blogger, it is an extremely difficult job because no matter how good you do today, you have to do the same exact job tomorrow. You have to hit the home run every single fucking day. 
eyeballs of the world are vying in so many different areas. They can be sensitized so many different ways for you to hold somebody's eyeball. You have to be great, consistently great, and beyond great because there's so many opportunities for the individual can be distracted and entertained. So Barstool Sports, on a daily basis, probably, I would say they have 10 superstars. And they just are amazing. Absolutely incredible. They just completed, I think, Rough and Rowdy 3. That was their third installment of Rough and Rowdy. Uh, Dave bought Rough and Rowdy, um, a boxing organization that's been around for about five years, uh, give or take, I think. And in its inception, Dave and the Barstool participants were doing play-by-play -play for them and doing announcing. And then Dave fell in love with it and Dave eventually bought it. And it's just been such a tremendous success. Everybody loves Rough and Rowdy. Um, I got a ton of people to buy Rough and Rowdy for them. And um, they loved it. Everybody loves the product. Everybody loves the performance. Everybody loves the theatrics. Everybody loves the funny commentary on life, on boxing, and in general. And nobody does it better than Barstool Sports. Nobody does it better than Dave does. Uh, the CEO, Eric, is running the company uh, just tremendously. She's amazing. Everything she touches turns to gold. She's sharp. She's intelligent. She's witty. She's funny. She's got a balls of stone. She's drop-dead gorgeous. What else do you want me to say? She's the CEO of a $125 million company. That's a 10, an 11, and a 12. You can't get any better. And Dave does his part every day. He does his pizza reviews and any other thing where he flies throughout the country and the world to be in the top of the top. And they want you to go to them for whatever's going on in the world, their take on life. And they do it better than anybody else. Now, obviously, I have my favorites. My favorite, obviously, is Big Cat, PFT, and KFC. And I love those fucking guys to death. And Hank does the production for, pardon my take, number one podcast on iTunes for that genre. The best of the best of the best. Hank's fucking amazing. And obviously, Rhea. I know Rhea personally. I know her mother. She's fucking amazing. Those are my favorites there, right there. Cannot beat it. All day I can watch PFT. All day I can watch Big Cat. All day I can listen to and watch KFC. And I love Dave. And I love Erica. And I love Rhea. And I love everybody. So, and I love Hank. So, when I do go there, um, they treat me like royalty. They treat me with such respect, and I'm just very blessed that they are in my life. So uh, very, very grateful for that and that relationship. And I've got, you know, thousands and tens of thousands going into hundreds of thousands of followers uh, simply because of Arsenal Sports, simply because, you know, not many people, you know, a lot of the people, my audience now from them could be anywhere between 13 to 30 years old, which is really how I roll. I've done so successful on Snapchat because of that. The youth goes to Snapchat. I'm able to be a little crazy on Snapchat, little cutting edge stuff, uh, but all in the name of being funny, all in the name of making you fucking laugh. You know, I'll do anything for a fucking joke. I'll go to any length to make you laugh. If I make you laugh, it's the same as making you come. Laughing is coming. It's the same exact thing. I probably like to make you laugh more than make you come, be honest with you. Because 80% of my audience is guys, and I'm not into making any fucking guy come under any circumstances, regardless of what the fucking consequences are. It's not how I roll. It's not happening. So instead of making the males come, I make them fucking laugh. And obviously they love me. So 
We're ready to roll right now. My type of business right now, uh, where I advise gamblers on the outcome of sporting events. If you don't know, that is my core business. That is what I do. With all the bullshit that I do and the craziness and the insanity and the embarrassing things I do and the funny things, I am an excellent handicapper. It's what I do for a living. Uh, similar to how years ago, Payne Weber, Merrill Lynch, EF Hutton advised clients on whether stocks arise and fall. Now you do it all over the internet with E-Trade, so on and so forth. I tell you who's going to win. And I give you my take on who's going to win before it happens. And my take is much better than yours. And I'm in a business that 40% of the time I'm going to lose. So it is a tough business because damn straight, I could lose a week in a row. I could lose a month in a row. I'm losing 40% of the time. So unless on a daily basis, if you're following me and you didn't pay me and you're just going in and out, you're like, well, this guy looks like he wins. He looks like he loses. I don't know what the fuck he does. But trust me when I tell you, since 1981, it's the only thing I've ever done. If you're with me religiously, consistently, and you follow what I do, I keep you in the game. It's the toughest thing in the world to do, which is bet on sports. Betting on sports is done when you've established yourself, when you have a ton of money, and you have money to lose. You can never bet money on sports that you need desperately, that you have to win, because I'd say 80% of the time that's not gonna happen. You're gonna lose your money. So when you bet sports, you gotta have money. You have to have money behind you. You can't be betting with scared money. You can't be betting with desperate money. You can't be betting over your head because it's gambling. Anything can happen, anything can happen, anytime. So right now, I'm pulled in about nine different directions because you got Major League Baseball, which is the most knowledge you need to bet. Because in other words, there's so many games and so many teams and it goes on for six months. So you really have to be on top of that and that's my core right now. And then you have the NBA playoffs, which is hot and heavy and so exciting and you have the NHL playoffs. So right now we got three sports going at the same time. Gives me a lot of opportunity to win, a lot of opportunity to make people money and obviously if we catch a losing streak, you get fucking buried. You know, I'm gonna be honest with you, you get buried. But let's hope that you bet within your means. You understand the rules of gambling. It's fun. Gambling is not to make money. Gambling is fun. You're supposed to have fun. And if you catch someone like myself that can get on a fucking roll, that can win for a month straight, everybody's happy. Everybody scores out. So pretty much every single morning, that's what I do. I get up around the clock. I don't really sleep a lot. So I'm on probably 21 hours out of a 24-hour cycle. I might take a couple of naps in between. But I'm on. When I'm on, I'm on. Whatever we're doing, whether it's eating a twin cheese with bacon, large fried vanilla milkshake, whether it's eating a chicken palm hero, or it's the veal palm on the bone with lobster fried Diablo, we roll. We roll hard. Whether it's gambling, whether it's swimming, whether it's running, we roll fucking hard. And we roll very, very hard. And that's how I like to roll. Uh, I'm 57, but I probably have a heart and a dick and a brain of a probably an 18-year-old, okay? Now, the reason that I am quite dangerous and quite successful and everybody fucking loves me is I got a lot of experience behind me. I've been around for a long time in the limelight, on the fucking cutting edge, right at that cliff, ready to leap. So there's a lot of things that I've done that you're gonna never do. 
It's just the way it is. I, you know, I am a source. I'm the source. I am a living legend. It's hard to be a living legend because you better have fucking done a lot to be a living legend. And I have, and I've done it. Whether it's marry my childhood sweetheart, whether it's have four boys, whether it's coach baseball, football, basketball, soccer with my first three kids for 12 fucking years coaching four sports with three different kids juggling them around. That's how fucking crazy it was. I love it. I fucking love coaching. I love sports. I love making people laugh. I love partying hard. I love being outrageous. I love being sexual. I love pushing the motherfucking envelope until that envelope is in your fucking mouth and you're shitting it out your fucking ass. Because in life, you really don't meet that many people that really impress you. You might meet a lot of people that you like, a lot of people that you hang out with. But someone that really pushes the fucking needle, those are the people that I look up to. I love people who push the needle. Mike Francesa, after four months being in retirement, lost his mind and could not handle it. He could not handle being Mike Francesa, the father, Mike Francesa, the husband, Mike Francesa, the human being, Mike Francesa, the has-been that used to be number one. Could not handle it. Literally couldn't handle it. Now, he never said he was leaving forever. He just said he was leaving the fan forever. And what happened was, could not get the right job. Could not get the right job. Push came to shove. It was the only marriage that really worked. Mike Francesa is number one in the world. He's the best in the world, but only in New York. I truly believe he'll be somewhere else. I don't know how amazing he'll be. But for my money, I fucking love him. For my money, I'll listen to him every day and twice on Sunday. Love his arrogance. Love that he thinks his shit does not stink. Love that when he says something, it's like God talking. He's not, it's not supposition, it's fact. And it might not be fact, but he said it, so it's fact. And that's how he rolls. And that's why he's number one. And does he piss people off? Absolutely. Does he shit on callers? Definitely. Is he condescending? A hundred percent. Does he think he's smarter than everyone else? Yes, yes, yes. And he is. And he is. Now, there's a way to do it, and there's a way not to do it. I like the way he does it. He shits on everybody and says, fuck you. Well, that made him number one for 19 years. Not one year, not five years, 19 fucking years. So Mike Frances is back, uh, I think, next week on WFAN. I think he has a 3 to 6.30 slot. I think that's the slot that he's gauged in for. And they have a new show right now where you have, uh, I think it's Carlin, it's Maggie Gray, and it's Bart Scott. Now, listen, their show, nothing wrong with their show. But nobody's ever going to say, wow, that's an amazing show. Because you got three people that are basically insignificant talking about sports that 200 people do. Now, I saw Bart Scott play. He's a motherfucking animal. You want to talk about somebody that could kill somebody, somebody that played well, somebody that was just a phenomenal player in my eyes, and I watched him and passed the eye test, that's Bart Scott. On the radio, yes, does he know his football? Of course. He's a diamond dozen. Yes, does he know his basketball? Of course he's a diamond dozen. His baseball. He doesn't know anything about baseball. He even admitted that. His boxing. He knows boxing, but he's a diamond dozen. Maggie Gray, you could put any woman who's covered sports or loves sports, and I can name her Maggie Gray or Maggie Steele. She's good. I like her. I like her as a person. I like her opinions, but she's a diamond dozen. Chris Carlin has a lot 
of experience. He did Rutgers. He was the producer for Mike Francesa's show. He was in Philadelphia. I think he was somewhere else, West Coast. He's got a lot of knowledge. He's the best out of the bunch by far. He is the best by the bunch. If you, I would rather have probably Chris and one other person. But that show is not going to push the needle. It's just a bland, vanilla show. I don't care. They, they said they only gave it four months. They're going to move it to like, I think, uh, one to three. Okay, fine. One to 2.30 or whatever it's going to be. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to really listen. I mean, because it's just, it's just not, it's not any different than any other show. Look, I wake up at six o'clock in the morning. First thing I do is listen to Boomer and Carton. Well, now it's just Boomer. Now, Boomer needs Carton. He does not need Greg Giannotti. Now, uh, I love Giannotti. He's a great guy. Hug it out. Let's have a fucking piece of pizza. But he's vanilla. He's the same as Boomer. They are not villains. They're the good guys. So when you have a show where you have uh, the show that Mike Frances is replacing, I mean, Maggie's not a villain. Bart's not a villain. I mean, there's no villains. You need a villain. Why Boomer... And his show went in the toilet is Craig Carton's a villain. Obviously, he might be bigger than a villain. The guy might be a thief. He might be uh, going to jail. You don't know. But he was always a villain. You need a villain in a show. Why Mike Frances is so great? He's a villain from Jump Street. He does not want you to like him. He doesn't give a flying fuck. He doesn't even care if you agree with him. But he's a villain. He's a villain because he'll piss on you. He will piss on you. And, uh, you know, when Mad Dog Russo was doing it, you had Mike being the villain and Chris being the goofy nice guy. So you need a villain. If you don't have a villain on a show, it doesn't work. That's why Boomer and Greg, it's just so flat. It's vanilla. So at 6 o'clock, I listened to them for a half hour. Then... That's all you need to listen to them because they repeat the same exact fucking shit for another fucking three and a half hours. I like my half hour of Uma. I like my half hour of Giannotti. I like it. I really do. But that's it. Then at 6.30, you roll over to Chris Carter and Nick Wright. Now, Chris Carter, again, plays the douchebag, plays the know-it-all, plays, I'm not asking, I'm telling, I'm Chris Carter, I'm a fucking MVP, I'm a Hall of Famer, Nick Wright, you, you got a suit on that doesn't even match, and you're trying to tell me, what are you going to tell me, you don't know anything, so that works too, because you got Chris Carter being a dick, and you got Nick Wright sort of trying to be a dick, but he's just way nice, he's just too nice, he's nice, now, not saying Chris Carter's not nice, but Chris Carter comes across as a know-it-all, and I fucking love it. The reason that Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless work so well is you had two assholes that you love to fucking hate. They were knowledgeable. They were so prepared, and then they just smashed each other. So now, when you have their, their shows that are separate now, because I'm not even this, this wake-up show. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean... Why would you want to listen to Mike Greenberg anyway? I mean, is he knowledgeable? Yes. Is he a nice guy? Yes. Big deal. He has great interviews. I could fucking find that on the internet all fucking day. I'm not listening to show. Jalen Rose, again, a super nice guy. Michelle Beadle, nice. So you have three nice people. You got nice, nice, nice. Where's the villain? No villain. That show's dead. Get up and go back in your coffin. Get up and go back to sleep. 
That show is an utter failure. A total failure. That's why I liked Mike and Mike. I like Golik, I like Greenberg. Because Greenberg came across as a dick, and Golik came across as, you gotta fucking hug it out. His fucking kids went to Notre Dame. He was a pro football player. He's got a gorgeous wife. The fucking guy eats like a pig. So you like Golik. And then you call Greenberg a dick. Pretty much, that's why that show worked. This new show isn't gonna work. Now, with uh, Stephen A. Smith's new show, I don't really know if that's gonna work either. Because I like both of the characters on him. They're both super nice. I don't think that's working. I just don't think that's gonna work. Because now, Stephen A. Smith comes across as a total dick, but he really isn't. Especially now that he doesn't have Skip Bales to piss on. I don't know, the show is just flat. So I jockey between that, then uh, I watch a little of Skip, and then I roll into Colin Coward. Now, Colin, I love, because Colin is a little bit of a dick. He is a little bit of a know-it-all, but he's fucking harmless. So, like, you can't really get mad at the fucking guy, because the guy is honest. He really is an honest guy. Now, of course, he twists his thing, and that's what he does. There's no, there's no two ways about that. But he has a rock-solid show. Now, I just heard yesterday Christine Leahy's leaving, and holy fuck, was she amazing eye candy and drop-dead gorgeous. And she had some really knowledgeable uh, takes on NBA. I guess she was an NBA reporter. And I liked, I liked the way they worked together. I like Christine, and I like Colin together, and she's drop-dead gorgeous, and she's funny, and her voice is sexy. And she knows how to play Colin really well. Well, she's le leaving for her own show. I mean, everybody in the world has got a fucking show. I don't know how it's going to work. Colin has some other women on that are very, very tough and very, very talented, too. So I don't think they're really going to, you know, it isn't like the show's going to go down because Christine left. But the show's much better with Christine. Now, Christine's going to do her own show. Let's hope it fucking rocks and roll. I mean, can she carry the show? I really don't know. I don't know. I got to see her on her own. I got to see her rolling. I got to see how it works. Now, could it? Of course. I mean, she's gorgeous enough to carry fucking an audience straight up on that. But after a while, that wears down. So we're going to have to see, does she have the real substance? Now, with the time that Colin allocated her to talk, she can talk. She is not an idiot. She is not just gorgeous. And she's there because she's dropped dead gorgeous. That is true. She is gorgeous. No two ways about that. You got to own that. You got to establish that. Mazel tov. Nice job. But she does have knowledge behind her. She has meat on the bone. Now, I don't know how long the show's going to be. I don't, I don't know if you're going to watch her for three hours or two hours. Think about that. Any show goes stale after a while. Now, the show that really is impressive is Michael K. Because, you know, between Rosenberg and K and LaGreca, that is a rock-solid show. Michael K plays a really good role because he likes being a know-it-all. He likes being a swear, you know, swagging his cock and being a swinging cock and a tough guy, but he's a mush. Don LeGrecker is fucking great. He's just great. He's great at everything. His voice is great. He looks great. He's funny. When he flips out, you love his rants. And he's not really controversial, to be honest with you. He's above the fray. Just doesn't give a flying fuck. He doesn't care. And it's a true doesn't care. See, Michael K cares. You piss Michael K off, you can get under his skin. You could rattle Mike, Michael K. There's no two ways about it. Now, Rosenberg, you can't rattle at all. He's got a separate gig. He's very well respected everywhere he goes. He's fucking hooked up to the balls. So 
he adds a nice element to that show. Well, now that Francesca's coming back, I'm only gonna be able to watch probably back and forth of a little K because I'll probably want to watch everything that Francesca does, especially for the next couple of months because it's gonna be juicy. It's gonna be good. So it everybody has a show. You cannot just watch one thing. You gotta bounce in and out. In addition to it, you gotta bounce whatever Barstool has going on throughout the day. You gotta chime in on what Tank's doing. And then I gotta make money. I gotta do my own thing. I gotta be my own man. I gotta strut my stuff. Now, I have the outlets to do it. I don't even need my own fucking show. You can watch me on Twitter. You can watch me on Instagram. You can watch me on Facebook. You can watch me on Snapchat. And you see what I'm doing. I mean, I show you everything. From the minute I wake up in the morning, I get out of my fucking, through my garage, I pick up my New York Daily News, I pick up my Newsday, pass my mailbox, do my morning prayer, my morning meditation, my uplifting speech, let's fucking go, you're the best there is, blah, blah, because that is needed every day for myself and for everybody. You need somebody out there being a common man delivering. Then I go into my $25,000 mirrored black bathroom and I take my first shit of the day. Again, everyone takes a shit. Their first shit of the day. Now, is it borderline psycho? Maybe. Is it a little too sexual for most people? Probably. Is it drop dead funny? Well, my people think it is. I think it is. It's fucking funny. I take my first shit of the day. And then we roll throughout the day. I show you what I eat every day. I show you my interactions with my family, interactions with gambling, my highs and lows. And that's pretty much what you got from me. So when you're dealing with Stu Finer, you know you're dealing with a living legend. Be one sexy motherfucker. And if you want to be like me, might as well get over to BeLikeStew.com. You can buy all my merchandise. We're about to roll out all the tank tops and ready to roll. So here we go. Back in action. Podcast wrapping up number 19. I fucking love you. I know how important it is for you to spend time with me. At least to me it is. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I know how competitive the industry is. But the reason you're listening to me is I'm Stu Fighter! You're fucking not!